everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Dance Floor podcast where we look at everything outside of the moves and the competitions and try to dive a little bit deeper. It's about history, mentality and connecting the dots between the dance and the other aspects of our lives. Today we talk with Matt Kang, also known as 12, a dancer from Ground Illusions out of Toronto who now works as a videographer slash interviewer for Forbes. We talk about his early days in London, Ontario and how he connected with Toronto and Ground Illusions carrying on tradition with the crew, his journey into journalism and working with Forbes and a whole bunch of other stuff. Matt definitely had some great insight on a lot of things and is another perfect example of what this podcast is all about. Taking that drive and lessons learned through breaking and applying them to the other aspects of your life. He's one of the people that has a deeper mentality towards the dance and his career and has the ability to articulate it well. I'm so thankful to have him on the podcast and I hope you enjoy the talk. Okay, we're here with 12 from Ground Illusions. Um, very excited to have this talk because we've never really met before in person, but I've heard a lot about you. Uh, last year, I talked with Frost on the podcast and he was saying, you know, Matt is one of those guys that you got to have on the podcast and share his thoughts. And uh, so I'm really glad to have you here. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. I, I've always wanted to talk to you about breaking in Vancouver and yeah. also why you're in Japan and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> this, yeah so is, this is a good opportunity. Yeah, we'll get into all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like I'm really excited to talk to you about, yeah, a little bit more about yeah, your history and ground illusions and stuff like that, but also just like the work that you do now. You're in journalism with CBC mm -hmm. in the past and now you're with Forbes, I think yeah that's right yeah that's cool and yeah just talking about that whole journey and but uh yeah we'll get we'll get to that in a bit mm -hmm. but usually yeah what i get people to do first is like for anyone who doesn't know who you are if you don't mind just giving a little background uh information on yourself like who you are how you got into whatever you do <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> yeah sure um so my name is matt kang b-boy name is 12 um, I'm in Ground Illusions, and yeah, like you said, I, I'm. I guess people in the scene also kind of know me from working in journalism. So I was, uh, I started got my start in Germany. I was working <clears throat> at Deutsche Welle, and then I uh, worked at CBC, CTV as a reporter for quite a long time, and then I moved to San Francisco in 2015, and then ended up joining at Forbes. Uh, so I'm on their video department. Um, we do like interviews, long form, short videos basically any video content you see that has Forbes on it um, cool. we our team probably touches it cool. uh, and then for breaking yeah I've been breaking since 1999 uh, I started in London Ontario um, it was so I went to high school there and um, I'm trying to remember how I really got into it it was <laughs> it was because my my mom always wanted me to go to high school dances for some reason she just thought it would be a good social activity so I wasn't completely academic which seems kind of counterculture to most Asian parenting but yeah she was she was very adamant about you should go to dances and so I go to these things and I wouldn't really know what to do because I was super shy and you know I didn't really want to ask anyone to dance or whatever and 
I would just be at the back with everybody else. <laughs> and then I would notice that whenever it's like that by Run DMC, uh, you know, the Jason Nevins version or yeah. Rapper's Delight came on, there would just be this huge commotion and everyone would form into the middle and I didn't really understand what was going on. And then when that happened, maybe the third time, I went to the circle and I asked somebody like, what's going on? Why is it like, a fight or something? And then everyone's like, no, no, they're breakdancing, you know? <laughs> and then I got kind of in, you know, just a peek over someone's shoulder. And I think just something about it really just kind of grabbed me, I guess. Um, I had been doing Taekwondo for 10 years before that. And so I think it was just seeing people do footwork and flipping around and stuff like just, I was kind of at the point where I was sort of looking for something else to do other than Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of clicked. And I, I, one of my friends uh, knew how to do a couple footwork moves and some freezes. So he sort of taught me and then it just kind of started from there. And, and then I started finding out about the local crews. So like Albino Zebra was the first that um, really inspired me. Cause that was like the first, you know, pro crew in the city right. and then yeah. started meeting other people. And then, you know, uh, I ended up forming like a, a crew with, uh, at first it was with um, Kyler from Ill at Will, Kaboom. And he, it was, he's, he's, he's like been around in the Toronto scene and stuff. But um, so he was like the first guy that I linked up with because he lived maybe 10 minutes away from me and we found each other online somehow. And then I met these other guys that all moved to London that were from Taiwan and they were all B-boys there. And then they came to Taiwan or came to Canada and then mm -hmm. we kind of all met together and then we kind of made a crew or they already had a crew and I joined it. And then from there, that's how I started going to Toronto and like battling because I was with these guys all the time. Crazy. And then uh, that's pretty much how I got into it. And it was uh, just slowly learning new things and trying things and getting it and then being like, oh, this is fun and I want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of one thing that I've been thinking about a lot in recent years is like why what what is it about breaking that like grabs people and mm -hmm. i ask a lot of people like well why did what was it what what made you want to start and a lot of times it's like you can't really explain exactly why it's just you people saw it and it was just so different and mm -hmm. captivating for whatever reason but yeah it's, it's yeah it was i think it, it was it was for me it was the movement and then also mm -hmm. just seeing that the effect it had on people you know mm. like because they weren't clearing out space for anything else right yeah <laughs> like yeah. like everyone who's like at the dance trying to you know like get their groove on or whatever like trying to hit <laughs> on like people that they have crushes on during like during the day uh, <laughs> like they're not moving for anything else but when b-boys wanted to take up the space they move and yeah. then everyone's really into it for that three minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. um and you know it was it started to get addictive and then I think too at the time when I started uh a lot of people didn't think I was the right kind of person to be boy you know because right. they they just didn't see me fitting what they pictured was a b-boy yeah, yeah, yeah. and so even I got flack from like some of the b-boys at school you know that basically telling me like I shouldn't be doing this you know but then right. that that just made me want to do it even more because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was you know I, I came from like a fighting background so I was like okay well <laughs> maybe yeah. you're maybe you're better than me now but let's talk in two like a year two years let's see what yeah, you know? yeah and that yeah. was that was kind of my attitude and then I kept going back and then uh the, the best was like seeing I think one circle 
like burning the guy who used to say like I shouldn't break in front of all of his friends and then even his friends were like yeah you kind of killed him you know (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty satisfying and then it just gets addictive right and then you find I don't know if it was the same for you but the the more you keep increasing in level the more those kind of characters show up in your life you know Mm. that the at, at least for me it was okay like you got past school dances and now you're at battles oh, and then yeah, there's yeah, yeah. other crews and other people and then you you kind of challenge them and then mm-hmm. you go to Toronto and then you're the new guy in Toronto and everybody's looking to like beat down on you and like it was just kind of like that and I, I guess I just never wanted to quit so I kept you know yeah um getting it like taking the hits and then coming back and battling them like later and yeah you know just keep doing that repeating it yeah I think that's like an important part of the breaking like the breaking journey and like Mm -hmm. why competitions and things like that are so useful even though like for me personally I don't really enjoy them now yeah but I think that's like an integral part of your journey it's like go through that at least if you keep if you love it forever and then you love it forever that's great but like at least have that time where you're like pushing yourself and trying to like be the best and or be better and and even if it's just for your own personal like improvement but right yeah that kind of thing is so key like be the best in your school and then be the best in your try and be the best in your area your city your province your country uh in like the continent internationally yeah however yeah. far you want to go but it's like yeah exactly you know it's uh it's super useful for like motivating yourself and yeah yeah um, i always i've always felt um you don't necessarily need to enter competitions but you need to battle so mm-hmm. oftentimes competitions was the only way we could yeah. get a battle because yeah. either people were too afraid to, you know, start things with other people or the timing wasn't right, or you're not at the right venue or whatever, but a competition is a very set, mm-hmm. you are expected to go do this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, calling someone out in front of everybody is, is scary, right? <laughs> Cause it could go yeah. really badly for you. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were hesitant to do that. And sometimes people don't have a reason to do that. Even it's yeah. like, I don't have a problem with this person. Like, it, right. I guess people have different views of what, what exactly a battle is and why you would call someone out. Some people just want to like test themselves against this person, but some people it's like, I'm only going to call someone out if I have a problem with them or something right. like that. So, yeah. And that was, I think that was very much the older generation's mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the only battles I ever had calling out was either people who had a problem with me or people who would tell me preemptively, Hey, I want to battle you sometime because I really respect you and I want to test myself, you know? And yeah, I was fine with either, but yeah. I, I really appreciated the second one. Cause then at least you yeah. kind of know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I remember, I think one time scramble leg or scramble lock, he told me that he's like, dude, I want to battle you one day. And then just, yeah when he called me out, it was no surprise. And we just went at it. Yeah, and it yeah. was no, I, I love that guy. And there was no hatred. It was just, yeah. he's really dope. And uh, I want to test myself and he wants to test himself. And yeah, it just kind of happened. You know, I think that's, those I think are the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's super healthy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the ones where like, you might wait outside the jam and someone might, you know, jump you like those, those were not good. <laughs> so, yeah. Those I'm glad that that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. You know, Cause uh it that's not healthy and it's yeah it forms a, a very bad relationship with hip-hop and breaking i think yeah, yeah yeah but uh like spontaneous battles are 
are still kind of nice though yeah i just think back i know you're into like street fighter and stuff like that and i always just think <laughs> about some of the stuff that i've seen in some of the competitions where like sometimes it even happens like in the tournament but mm -hmm. it it gives it some more like i don't know what to call it like character to the to the community right. to the scene and like when you see someone they just they, you know there's a bit of beef between the two players or something like that and then someone wins and they just kind of like pop off and like the other guy yeah, and yeah. <laughs> start going off and and they're not like they're not fighting or anything and it's just kind of like this healthy or like kind of healthy uh rivalry that they have going and like the other person mm -hmm. they knew that they were talking shit and they knew like okay i lost like fair and square they beat me and right. they just gotta take it <laughs> like, right right yeah yeah i think i think when it's healthy like that it's fine it's yeah. just uh i i definitely coming up in toronto saw some of the darker sides of yeah, that for sure, you for know sure. and those i would definitely not want newer generations to get involved in and mm -hmm. you know it's 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 stressful, right? Because mm -hmm. you are you're not only thinking about the battle, but you're thinking after the battle, like, mm -hmm. am I gonna have to deal with my physical safety? I mean, thankfully, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to be pretty nice to everybody. So I, I never really had that problem as much. But you know, I, I have seen in the past jams where people got in fights or people mm -hmm. jumped each other, you know. Yeah, and sure. I'm I'm glad that that's not really a thing anymore. Uh yeah. But but I agree with you, like there's a certain I don't know. It's, it's like a when limit, I watch, you know. Yeah, and when I watch newer battles, sometimes I do feel like it is lacking. Like it feels more like a karate tournament than yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, like a, a an actual battle. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but you know, there's always kind of like uh, what do you call them? things? Things kind of work in cycles and stuff. And yeah, so, I think you know, so. people might get bored of that kind of thing, and they want to bring back a bit of this rawness or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. As long as it's authentic, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and, and no one's getting hurt. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I want to kind of continue along your journey and and just get more info on just how you connected with like GI and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so so with those Taiwanese guys I was talking about, they had a crew called Crazy Ghost Crew. Um, <laughs> I forget the meaning, but it's something in Taiwanese culture that ghosts and dancing have a correlation. So they, oh. they, they named it. I have to double check that, but that's kind of what I remember. So anyway, we had our crew from London and then they became friends with a bunch of Korean uh, B-boys in Toronto. And then they, we just decided, hey, we should probably enter these Toronto events as one big unit, you know, because um, like we're just stronger together. And so when we were thinking of a name, um, my uh one of my friends and i he's he uh he said like oh we should make it kind of um like something to reflect that we're unexpected and we'll blow up on you you know like that it's it's like a unexpected booby trap or something like that and so we came up with the name trip line because it was kind of like oh, a line cool for for like a landmine or a claymore yeah, yeah. or something and so we we entered started entering battles with that name and then i remember the first or second time we entered a big jam in Toronto, we ended up going up against Ground Illusions. And it was a really close battle. And like, I mm -hmm. wish I still had the footage of it, but um, it was like one of the best ones of the night. And I think from that battle, even though we lost, a lot of people were super surprised because they were like, who are these guys? And, mm -hmm. you know, and then from there, we just started meeting more Toronto people and hanging out with them. We became friends with GI. 
and I think it was just kind of over the years, like I, I developed a relationship with Frost and uh, Knuckles Takashi. He was another guy that um, oh, okay. around that time I, I was breaking with him a lot. He was like one of the original uh, Ground Illusions guys. And then um, Trippy was another guy. He was like also an OG. And then uh, Rubik's Cube was another guy right. who uh, I was practicing with a lot. And then I guess it just kind of naturally came to the point where trip line was kind of falling apart because people were moving away or not dancing anymore, et cetera. We all stayed friends, but you know, mm -hmm. had you know, these things happen. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I was sort of like a free agent for a long time. I was dancing with correct technique a lot, uh, like Max, Willie, uh, Daniel, Shaheen. Um, I was with those, those guys all the time, but like, I was never like in the crew, but uh, mm -hmm. we would just hang out. And I think Ruben just kind of had this idea, well, we've known him a really long time, our styles mesh and we practice together a lot. And I think he kind of put the idea in the rest of the crew's uh, head, like we should recruit him. And at that time, GI was very small actually, like which oh. sounds surprising now, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time it was kind of also in a down period because um, you know other members wanted to go do other things or join other crews, whatever. And so, it was kind of in this rebuilding period. And so I think it was around 2005 that Frost was just like, hey, if you wanna be down, I'm cool with that. And you know, we can build like the new generation. And so I, I was sort of in that in-between period where we were the ones kind of training like Ills and Burn and you know, the people that everyone knows now, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. um, that sort of like 2005 to I would say like 2009, 2010 around there. We were sort of the in-between generation and then right. kind of helped like build the new one cool, cool. Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of cool seeing uh <clears throat> it's kind of hard for crews to keep that legacy going um mm -hmm. i noticed like you'll have really big crews and then they have the people that kind of put their crew like on the map and then a lot of times it's like it just kind of like dies after they it's yeah. it dies with them they might recruit right. some new people, but it's like, it doesn't feel the same, like it's not the same crew anymore kind of thing. But I know, and I, I GI, wonder sometimes. Yeah, which yeah, yeah it just sorry. feels a little different, like, yeah. I think it's, you know, Frost really has this long-term vision in mind of that he wants it to be like a dynastic thing. Mm -hmm. And I agree with it too, because it's kind of, it's almost like the Shaolin temple or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have so much in-house knowledge that we, don't want to just dissipate and die out. So mm -hmm. there is this goal of finding the people that really mesh with you and who are eager to learn. And then mm -hmm. we kind of download all of what we know into them. And the yeah. hope is that they surpass us, right? It's kind of like kill your master, right? Because yeah. if, if, they, if we are still better than the new generation, then I think we've failed, you know, and right. then breaking as a breaking as a whole goes less, right? Mm -hmm. Like people 50 mm -hmm. years should from now should be way technically way better than people now right mm -hmm. like it's just natural mm -hmm. so i think we had that mentality and i guess with breaking when i when you put it that way i think maybe because it's such an individualistic uh ego driven kind of thing maybe people can't really come to grips with that that one day they might get old and not want to do it anymore or they yeah. can't physically do it anymore or whatever so they don't pass everything down mm -hmm. but um Frost, I think, has been very strong about the idea of we need to keep it going, pass it on, have a tradition. Yeah, yeah, I think that's something. That's something that's come up a lot recently, not just with say like teaching and passing on knowledge and stuff like that, but just 
Yeah, like I don't know if you follow Renegade or uh, DJ Renegade mm-hmm. at all. A little bit. He's, yeah, he's just one of the guys that that talks about this a lot. Like trying to get the breaking community in particular to like step their game up. Of not only it's like you know it's no one's gonna care about you when you stop yeah. dancing if if that's all you had. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, people within the community will will maybe remember you, but if you don't like, if you want it to really go anywhere, you have to start actually laying down actual foundation outside of like the moves and things like that. It's like people, so many people don't know like how to, how to actually teach. They don't know how to actually judge. They just kind of like, well, I'll just do whatever. And, and, (laughs) you know, we'll do this class and like uh yeah i guess i'll teach this and this and yeah you know whatever mm-hmm. like whatever you want to learn like it's fine mm-hmm. but yeah i, th- I yeah. think too for a long time there's this mentality of being nasty is enough and i yeah. think we've we've seen that's not enough you know yeah. you could be like the best b-boy or b-girl <laughs> in your town but if you don't network if you don't reach out to people you don't travel yourself you don't make those connections nothing's really going to happen for you aside from mm-hmm. winning your local jam right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to actually make the effort to go out there and put yourself out there and, and yeah. you know, reciprocate energy and like, you know, get to know yeah. people. And I think, you know, uh, I, I just think of how many really amazing people didn't really get super far. You know, sometimes they didn't care enough to do it or other times it's because they didn't really make the effort to, to do all the supplementary stuff, you know, yeah. like the teaching, networking, building with other people, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I'm glad it seems like people kind of get it now, although maybe it's more about building their, uh, like IG following or something like that, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's, that's the way people do it now, but, um, yeah, you can't just it, being really good at breaking isn't enough, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And just, you know, it's like you said, once you, once you get older and maybe you stop breaking or you can't do what you could do before, like people want to continue that legacy there's like there's other ways of of continuing on past moves and things like that and Mm -hmm. i think not to say that like frost can't get down or any of these older older not to say that you see even like old generation but (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah 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 if you can't like that's a skill that you should develop is learning how to how to carry on uh, how to transmit your your information that you like how to teach it effectively how to get Mm -hmm. someone to understand these complex things like say storytelling or or how to like be creative within breaking and and and, Mm -hmm. you know understanding the nuances of a circle or or that kind of thing or what it means to like battle properly like anyone can learn like a six-step learn a halo with enough time or whatever um but it's like learning the stuff like outside or around that i guess mm-hmm. is is really hard to right. uh, to convey to students it's and i i think about this mm-hmm. a lot in terms of i've always felt that there's kind of this uh constant sort of b-boy or b-girl spirit that has sort of transcended different generations so what i mean by <clears> that is even though the moves that let's say uh, from 1986 are not the same as 1996 are not the same as 2006, 
there's a certain energy that you can see through different dancers that is very similar, even though the moves manifest differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually the hardest thing to teach because mm-hmm. how can you tell some kid born in 2006 how to feel it like it was 1994? You know, like yeah, it's just, yeah. they have no frame of reference and it's not their fault because they weren't around at that time, you know? And the only thing that can give them any sort of reference is old footage, which obviously, you know, they should already be watching, but um, I can't blame them, you know? And I, I used to, kind of get a little more frustrated about that. But then when I really sat down and thought about it, I'm like, oh, probably some B-boy from 1978 is gonna think that our generation sucks, you know, because (laughs) it's just, it doesn't reflect. And it's kind of like music, you know, but Mm -hmm. then I think how certain songs really keep staying popular because they have a certain spirit. And I Mm -hmm. think it's the same with breaking. So as long as you convey the the spirit of the thing, then I think, you know, the rest will figure it itself out or, or, you know, manifest itself in, in a good way. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that's one thing that yeah, breaking it in particular still so, or just dance, I think in general, or maybe like what we like street dance, that kind of stuff. Like maybe ballet has this long history and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but a lot of these like sort of street dances are so young relatively speaking and then it just doesn't have the same kind of like tradition and and yeah formalized like ways of passing on knowledge and things like Mm -hmm. that um but it's slowly changing and i think even things like more and more with the advent of like the internet and stuff like that um it made access to footage so much easier there's more people who are like you know trying to curate content like here's you can watch all the new footage and here's the people doing all the recent battles but then here's people doing like what's his name korean rock and he he just has Mm -hmm. like all this random stuff from all over the place of like old stuff old styles and people that you know, capture what you were talking about that, that sort of like essence of breaking. Mm-hmm. You don't have to break like them, but like watch how they're doing it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or like For sure. bag of clips. I don't know if you, you follow yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like checking out the Canadian history of, of all these places all over like wet, east to west. And it's really cool seeing that. And you, I think when you start digging deeper and you dig it back into the history of things, it's like it gives you this better understanding of like, what we were what you're talking about that essence you know for sure and i've found a lot of satisfaction now in um when i meet younger people or or something like that and i'll ask them oh hey do you know boogie brats or do you know Mm -hmm. this and they'll be like no and then i send them a clip and just watching them watch the footage (laughs) it's it's so satisfying because they're just so blown away like what year was this how is this possible like you know and it's um, and then it's not in a condescending way, but just being like, hey, look, this there was this really creative time in breaking and you should watch more stuff from it because mm-hmm. you'll have a better frame of reference when you watch new stuff and mm-hmm. see where people are getting their ideas or what they're trying to bring back or, you know, how things yeah. are different now. Um, so, yeah, just like learning how to analyze these different periods of history and breaking, I think is super important. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you a better B-boy, you know, like I. 
I would, there was a time where I, with Ills, I'm like, well, I can't teach him anything physical anymore because he's <laughs> way better than me now. Yeah. So I'll just send him clips, you know, and I would send him old Ken Swift and um, like Euro stuff and mm -hmm. like uh, actual force and, you know, all these things that he wouldn't really. Uh, and I remember once he told me, man, I'm so glad you told me who um, uh, Float was. Because he's like, when I met him at a jam, I had, I wouldn't have had any idea that he was this legend of a b-boy, you know, mm -hmm. just because he just looked like a normal guy, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I sent him the the classic float clip in the green, you know, sweater where he's like at a wedding or something. And he's just like, you know, I think just having that context has made him a stronger dancer too. So Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, we're talking about breaking, but you could apply this kind of thing to any whatever field you're in or whatever like if you're if you want to get good at that thing like you want to learn everything about it or as much 100%. as you can and you want to look at like well where do these ideas come from or where does this technique come from or whatever and it's just going to only it's only going to make you stronger and make you yeah. better at that thing you know absolutely i mean that that was pretty much my mentality when i started training jujitsu about three years ago mm -hmm. um I, you know, I, there's, I know that there's all this new competition footage and all these current battles and fights, but I actually went back to UFC one. I went to, I watched like a documentary on Hicks and Gracie because I knew like, mm -hmm. this is like the Ken Swift of jujitsu. Yeah. So I'm going to watch him and see how yeah. he fought. And then, you know, and then you realize like your basics carry you a long way and it's the same in breaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, like you, the way you would watch these guys, fight back then when people knew less it all the principles still apply today mm -hmm. you know um even though the, there's all these new uh intricate moves um mm -hmm. you know you still got to know how to like open someone's guard or pass or uh you know how to escape bad positions things like that yeah it's all the same you know so yeah it's the same thought process and i think that's one of like in some ways one of the the negatives about breaking is that it's so there is part of that history of breaking that's like emphasis on creating new things and like innovating and doing this stuff and and sort of like moves and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um which is also one of the reasons why it's so great why it's mm -hmm. why it captivates people but you know when that becomes like too much of the focus you you lose like that kind of mentality yeah. of of yeah just kind of like going deep on something so simple that's not really exciting or, or, you know, sexy kind of thing, you know, <laughs> like, like right. it's not cool to talk about like the intricacies of a CC or a hook or like why the six step is such a dope pattern or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Cause like, everyone's like, well, I just, I learned that in the first week, like who cares? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I think, and this is something that, yeah, like I try and do with the podcast and with my the stuff that I release on YouTube is like trying to get people to think a little deeper, think past that, those, the wow factor and the moves and things like that. And think like, well, what's like the mentality behind this or even, even just, yeah, looking at history and what we were just talking about. Like you mentioned Ken Swift. Like when I first started, I saw Ken Swift and I thought like, this guy sucks. Who is this guy? <laughs> it was like some battle in Korea. And I was, I was way more interested in like, seeing um like crumbs and he was doing all this crazy stuff and 
Was now it that one I, on the big stage with People Crew and it yeah, was like Bag of, Bag of Tricks? And, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one and of that, my first tapes too. Yeah, yeah, and that's the first time I saw Bag of Tricks too. And I saw Gizmo and he, I was like, whoa, what the hell? And he was, he was one of those guys that was like, he's not, he's doing like cool stuff, but it's not like a, a physical feat, you know, like Crumbs is just really strong and he's doing like weird positions and things like that. But I saw Gizmo and he's doing like, you know, his behind the, behind the back knee thread, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, like the Gizmo thread yeah, or like yeah, yeah. his kind of like flare, one-handed flare grabbing the crotch kind of thing. And like, this is all these different things. And, and it was like kind of more details. And then Ken Swift, like, I didn't really get what he was doing a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then going, as I got further into it, I saw him and I saw guys like Migas. Like, I don't think if I saw Migas when I first started out, I'd be like, actually in, in, what was it? Lords of the Floor. I saw mm -hmm. him in, in K-Mel and I was like, mm -hmm. I didn't get Migas. Right. I was like, oh, he's just doing threads and threads and work and, and like, it, okay. And I know even then that was like a little bit past his sort of like prime, I guess, or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. Right. But yeah, it's like, there's certain people that you see that you don't really appreciate what they're doing until you get a little deeper into the dance and, right. And you start to think about the details and the little things that make something so cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's funny because i think in a way and maybe this was a blessing uh in the early days those were the guys that actually appealed to me the most because i was not a very physical person mm -hmm. right so yeah. um you know i would try mills and play like i to this day i'm not i can't do power combos like i'm, I'm just the same not, way <laughs> yeah i just it just doesn't work i you know there was a time where i could do mills there was a time i could do a decent backspin and pop up and stuff but i just it just didn't click for me. Whereas footwork, I think because of Taekwondo, it really came naturally. And so when I watched people like Ken Swift or Gizmo or Migas, um, I was so amazed at how they were able to go up against people with such physical ability, but still beat them with like their minds. You mm -hmm. know, I think that's what really mm -hmm. got me attracted to that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, in hindsight, I wish maybe I had spent a little more time with power and the pure physical but mm -hmm. um yeah it's just that to me was magic in itself you know the idea yeah. that you you could make up your own moves and combinations and just like blow people out of the water because they didn't think of that you know mm -hmm. and um it's like you deem their physical ability kind of irrelevant because you've now grabbed the attention of the crowd like there's that one yeah. there's that one uh gizmo clip i think it, it's it's, where was it somewhere in Toronto I think it might have been the docks or some big event it was huge and it was like him and I think Tic Tac and they were up against these two other guys and it was a very quick battle like back and forth but there's this moment that I think you could see Gizmo was kind of pissed off like he just really looked like screw this I'm gonna end the jam and he just pushes like his partner out of the way and does this mill but like the way he did it was so weird and like grabbed his own leg or something and this was 1995 so people had never seen anything like that and you just see the like the camera clouds up with all the people standing up blocking the view because they're going like the house is going insane yeah you yeah. know and like to me that's the ideal of breaking i think coming from a toronto perspective is that mm -hmm. you want to think of that next level stuff that people can't even touch because they're just not smart enough you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, I, 
this is one thing that just kind of like clicked in my head right right now but it's kind of neat that you can see people's personalities really come out in how they break how they dance mm -hmm. how they choose to approach something and like in a lot of ways like that makes me feel like you know it's not really like wrong per se like any one approach it's like that's just mm -hmm. how they are how they think that's what they gravitate towards and mm -hmm. um but yeah uh toronto's perspective yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's an that's an interesting thing to talk about too of, yeah you know, it's because i feel like and i'm sure you you experienced this too because i think we're of the same generation um you know different cities had a very particular point of view of how to break right mm. um and i think one thing i love about toronto that i feel grateful that i realized very early on was that it very had a very unique point of view of how to break and it was very advanced mm -hmm. you know and i think canadians do have a tendency you know we kind of have that tall poppy syndrome of like we're not good enough yeah, until yeah. somebody else tells us we're good <clears throat> enough <laughs> yeah. it's like drake had to go outside the us and become friends with lil wayne before people realize oh he's actually quite good at, at you know yeah yeah at, uh, at bars so like it was kind of the same where you know people would go oh yeah toronto this whatever but like look at la or look at chicago and i always thought no toronto is really good like mm -hmm. of all the tapes i've seen the underground stuff from toronto was my favorite mm -hmm. and so I was really grateful that uh, early on, like I was able to learn from people like Puzzles was actually the first person to really be like a mentor to me, right. you know, because we met at a jam and I think he liked the way I was doing stuff. And he really put me on like, here's who you should watch and here's how to do things and really help clean things up and like just know what to look for. Mm -hmm. And um, I think through him, you know, it kind of opened up everything else that uh, I was able to see that it, the city does have like a really rich tradition that I think now people understand and they see it, right? Because they see Amigas or Dizzy or Puzzles or Hills or, you know, mm -hmm. whoever. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that there's like a very, uh, a recognition, I think now, mm -hmm. you know, but um, I, I don't know. I haven't been back in a while, so I don't know how the breaking is now among the younger kids, but my hope is that they still, you know, value what's in their own city versus looking outwards you know not to say yeah. looking outwards is bad because mm -hmm. my other favorite city was miami right like yeah I was, i'm yeah. a huge yeah uh, you know flip side and skill methods like those were my heroes you know so um but you should look at what what's available to you immediately and like you can actually yeah. meet these people and ask them questions and, yeah that that kind of reminds me of just something that it's come up a few times like you said you started you're from london ontario that's where you kind of started out and mm -hmm. same with albana zebras like talking with lance and even just talking with like my own crew they started in victoria which is on an island next to vancouver so it's not really it's not technically right. in that it's sort of vancouver but not vancouver right 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 um i mean it's not vancouver at all like but it's close <laughs> enough that people people make the trip anyway um but a, a big thing that i always heard is like and a lot of these people are are really like their way of thinking is so different a lot of times and their their styles are so different because in part i think because of like yeah just being isolated and they have mm -hmm. they'll go somewhere to a jam or they'll go to like you know toronto or vancouver or wherever it is 
and they might get that sort of like burst of inspiration of just seeing all this different stuff and different ways of thinking not to say that people are like copying and biting whatever mm -hmm. but you come back and then it's closed off again and you don't have mm -hmm. that outside influence and you look at the people that you practice with that are around you mm -hmm. that kind of thing and like I think that's something that's a little bit lost right now with mm -hmm. the YouTube YouTube <laughs> online era where everywhere is in inspiration and you're constantly bombarded by it um, and it's nice to at times and I'm sure like all artists even do this they'll have times where they just kind of like go into their studio or whatever yeah. or they like go into a cave and <laughs> I swear there's some artists that actually did that where they just went yeah, into a yeah. cave like a literal cave <laughs> like, whatever but well, it's, it's like it's closing yeah. yourself off from that inspir that inspiration um and just like okay well I'm gonna limit myself again and I think that's where mm -hmm. a lot of like creativity comes from is absolutely these like limits even if they're self-imposed like yeah you've now given yourself a problem to solve I have this information that I have to work with but what can I come up with what can I do and that mm -hmm. kind of thing and I think that's like a bit of a problem that had that we have now is like you're just constantly getting new stuff yeah. and it's like well I'll just I'll just do that I'll just do that I'll just do that I'll just do that and you never really like maybe it's harder for people to like really define their style because it's like mm -hmm. you're just always taking in what's new what's new what's new and I think everyone think goes that, yeah go ahead yeah I think I think to that point too there's a uh, YouTube kind of it's been a great resource like you said with Korean rock and being able to look up any battle in human history almost but I think it did kind of kill the mysticism of breaking mm -hmm. in that um you know when I was starting out in London uh you know albino zebras were they were the guy they were the guys right like they were the ones that everybody would like worshipped and like wanted to be like and they were mm -hmm. our heroes locally mm -hmm. and you know I remember I remember like nights where you didn't get to film things but you just went there to watch them break and that in itself those memories that you can you can't really re-watch but you just remember certain things it creates like a legend around these people mm -hmm. right? so like there's i've seen lance break so many times and there's so many moves he's incredible things he's done that i'll never see again you know yeah and but but to me that adds to the legend of lance you know of, of like who he is and how amazing he is as a b-boy and mm -hmm. you know same with the other guys in the crew and um then you have that like image of of that sort of mysticism to help you like try to figure out what you want to do and like how you want to look and it's more obscure so it actually ends up being this kind of like unattainable goal but it helps you in a way i don't know mm -hmm. if i'm explaining it correctly but yeah um yeah it's almost like having less footage was better and just experiencing yeah. it was was better and then it really helped us to think like how did he do that again well maybe I'll try this instead and and then you end up finding your own thing you know that yeah. was indirectly influenced by them yeah um, but nowadays because we can just watch anything at any time mo I think most people just kind of see who's winning BC1 and then they just sort of think okay <laughs> well those com those combos work so I'm gonna learn those you know yeah and then it takes the element of surprise away in some ways yeah I think that's that's a big thing like you know you can see it in a lot of different areas like you see it in in the way that crowds react to stuff too they're just yeah. so over what's overstimulated like everyone's yeah. seen everything 
there's no yeah. mystery and it's that's why when someone shows up that comes out of nowhere like it's so exciting because you haven't seen anything you don't even know mm -hmm. who they are like who is this guy who is this girl like who, who mm -hmm. i don't know who they are i've never yeah. seen anything and then it's, and it's sad when it's like everyone is amazing and nobody cares i feel like russell yeah, Crowe, right? gladiator you know it's like are you not entertained like yeah. this person just did like crazy crazy shit and nobody cares because yeah. yeah they've been overstimulated and it has no effect on them anymore which is yeah. sad you know um, yeah but it's like uh you know and it's not just breaking like i think about um so i watched a lot of pro wrestling <laughs> mm -hmm. and like you know with big big promotions like wwe or now there's the new one like AEW, which is one that i watch a lot now like mm -hmm. the one of the problems with say wwe was like you have all the wwe people and like a lot of the times you'd get the same matchups the same people it's the same roster and you just kind of see the same people over and over and over again. And it's like, after a while, yeah, some people get the push into the kind of spotlight, but it's still yeah. kind of like limited in a way. Um, but when you read into like the history of pro wrestling and how it used to be before kind of WWE gobbled up everything, mm -hmm. um, there was like territories. And right. the way that right. worked was like, and it just, I don't know, maybe it doesn't work in the same way now, but you have that local territory and you'd have the talent that's there. And then they would kind of like run stale with the crowd. Like their story's finished. People don't want to like see them anymore. So they'd move mm -hmm. on to a new territory where they're fresh again. And then mm -hmm. new people would come into the territory and you have something new and fresh again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that, that kind of thing of fresh faces, new things um and you know i guess it's just that kind of thing maybe doesn't really it's not exactly possible now yeah and i, yeah. I wonder too because the uh battles are so high frequency now mm -hmm. you know i i remember for us maybe it was if we were lucky five jams a year you know? yeah so yeah most of your time is spent training so then actually because you have such a huge uh gap between jams mm -hmm. there's a long time to improve so, mm -hmm. you know, a person yeah. could come back to a jam and they're like a completely different or new and improved person, right? Yeah. And and then it just adds a whole new dynamic to the game because maybe the other person who was on top has been slacking and mm -hmm. then a new person comes and they're hungry. You know, it's like Rocky Three and they, they're <laughs> Mr. T and they just like bulldoze people because they've been they've been wanting it for so long. Mm -hmm. And and they were training in secret because there was no YouTube. They weren't posting footage to Instagram or anything like that. They were just training. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not really trying to like solve the problem or anything. No, like it's just, it's, but... it's just different now. That's all. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, well, like just as one like issue that I kind of see as like, yeah, just an issue is that, you know, there's only kind of one way to, make it as a yeah as a dancer is like in breaking it's either through competitions or becoming a judge and and becoming that like cream of the crop kind of person that everyone yeah. wants to book and that kind of thing and um which is fine that's there's nothing wrong with that but i just think breaking needs more <laughs> than just yeah. that you know I and agree. i get that 
you know, there's just, for whatever reason, there's just not the same kind of financial support for it. And that's a lot of just people doing stuff out of passion, that kind of thing. And, you know, I get people not wanting, not having incentive to do that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it needs more of that, more, more people. Yeah. Doing not to toot my own horn or whatever, but I think <laughs> having more interviews with people, getting to hear their thinking behind stuff, having mm -hmm. more people do stuff like what focus is doing with, uh, yep online whatever like a basically an online school mm -hmm. more people doing teaching it more and teaching it effectively mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. stuff like what frost is doing with like i forget what it's called his like uh rhythm rhythm yeah or, like like yeah, a real yeah. program right that's right. like yeah you learn breaking and if you continue with breaking that's great but if you don't you've learned a whole bunch of stuff with this and like this has benefited your life in different ways and that kind of thing but yeah, it's like yeah yeah like a really well thought out program that yeah yeah and not just i know you know, it's, like, i'll just do whatever yeah i agree and i think the big impediment to that is ourselves <laughs> yeah a yeah. lot of b-boys are not very organized and then i think we're also very naturally allergic to any sort of structure or mm -hmm. um any kind of it's almost like if you make some sort of program people will just hate on it right away and say that it's watering it down or making it pre, you know, it's not raw enough or yeah, whatever, or like, 10 million reasons. There's a, you know? another thing too, with like wanting to make money too yeah. off of it. And, and it's like, I don't know why it happens, but there's like a real aversion sometimes to someone charging money for something or charging yeah. too much in their opinion and a lot yep. of time i think part of it too is like maybe maybe youtube is to blame a bit for yep. like you just get free content and stuff like that free tutorials free whatever and like for people to actually want to pay for something i don't know some of it maybe is also the ego that's built into the dance of like mm -hmm. well i don't i don't want to learn from this person like i'm i'm better than <laughs> that i don't i don't have anything right. to learn like that kind right. of thing but i don't agree with that but yeah. Uh, and I feel like yeah. whatever it is, we're going to have to figure it out collectively uh, mm -hmm. before Paris 2024, you <laughs> yeah. know, because yeah. well, we I should mean, have already figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're way behind schedule because, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I haven't talked to any of my skateboarding friends about how they felt about skateboarding in the Olympics. But oh, from an right. outsider's perspective, I thought it was pretty good, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that like it was entertaining. It i saw it resembled what i see on thrasher or things but obviously i'm not a skater mm -hmm. um but i think where i wouldn't want it to go is like what happened to taekwondo in the olympics or olympic karate things like that where the rule sets really dilute the art or the effectiveness of the art and right. I, um you know like I, I don't know if you saw but there was <laughs> an olympic gold medal match for olympic karate sparring and the guy who won the gold medal won because he got knocked out by the other guy and so the other guy was disqualified <laughs> the other guy was disqualified for kicking him in the face and knocking him out which in you know the real world i would think that shows good karate but yeah, yeah. in olympic world that's you lose and that's bad yeah. sportsmanship which yeah. is extremely odd to me um from a common sense perspective but i think you know and the same thing with breaking i just 
hope that whoever's involved with it knows what they're talking about, what they're doing so that we're not yeah. just, we don't just turn into gymnastics 3.0 or yeah, whatever. From, you know? from what I know of the judging system, like I still want to get an idea of like the updated version. Cause I saw mm -hmm. some stuff before, but uh, from what I know, it's like very in tune with what, breaking is as much as you can mm -hmm. with like having a judging like system that kind of thing it seems to be have enough freedom that it doesn't matter what style you do that kind of mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. so it, mm -hmm. it doesn't stifle creativity of like you got to check these boxes of you got to do footwork and power and this and this and, and eight right. freezes and that kind of thing um and it's also like round for round it's it's and the rounds are judged on like us there's like a slider or something like that mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. like you can you can weight rounds like this round is worth more than this round or they beat them by more like that kind mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. um and then the way that it's divided up i don't know the details but it's kind of it roughly breaks down to mind body and soul that kind of mm -hmm. thing so the mental side okay. the physical side and then the kind of like I don't know, expressive side or however you want to put that. So, <laughs> right. which is in my opinion, like that's kind of, that is a pretty good representation of what yeah. breaking is. I, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for it. Yeah. I do overall support the idea of it just because of how much opportunity it's going to give to so many people, because, mm -hmm. you know, I, like in our time, we really didn't have much to look forward to other than jams locally, or maybe you got lucky and you were able to pay for a trip to, LA or, or France or something mm -hmm. on your own mm -hmm. and, you know, go experience something, but there was no avenue to become an Olympic champion or, you know, even Red Bull didn't really exist mm -hmm. uh, back then either. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably our closest thing to like a world championship now. Um, so, you know, and even though I'm not the craziest fan of Red Bull style breaking, like I'm glad it's there so that people who do want to go that path yeah. can do it. And, you know, and it seems like, in general there's a lot of people that are involved that that care about the culture and they want to to have it go in the right direction while still providing people with opportunities to right. to make it a career or whatever that kind of right. thing so i've seen a few like articles that they've put out that are kind of like here's the history of breaking or here's like i don't know uh it's just stuff about like the kind of cultural side, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think that also just requires the community to, maybe it's not even for the community. It could just be for the general public. Mm -hmm. But I always found like the community seems more focused on what's the latest trend in moves, who's winning the <laughs> battles, who's doing this. Right. It's, it's very like, short-sighted. Yeah. 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 Um, mm -hmm. I saw someone posted this recently. It was like, just looking at the the like ratio or whatever between okay. it was like some top 10 sets of 2021 or something like that and it has like 200 something upvotes or whatever the hell wherever it was posted mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. it was like a thing on focus talking about like the the new judging system for the olympics and it had like 12 or something like that <laughs> poor focus just, yeah and like you know he yeah. puts in a lot of work of of yeah. trying to make interesting content 
yeah yeah but, um, it's, it's sad i mean but uh, it's, well, i think it's I, a slow growth too yeah right? you can't force people into liking or being interested in that stuff but yeah it is yeah. it does make me a little sad that there isn't more interest in that aspect of it you know the history mm -hmm. the fashion i like how he puts those things out you know yeah. just analyzing old battles or why why did b-boys have fat laces or you know things like that yeah yeah um, i think that's cool you know because yeah. you need that contextual history yeah for sure um it's like any kind of shift in mentality or culture or whatever like it's never going to happen overnight yeah but you need people pushing for it and people who are willing to yeah just like endure that time where it's not popular and people yeah. don't care about it but if you really strongly believe in that thing you just keep pushing it out there and trying to make it the best that you can make it and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah well that's why i i saw like on your channel i like that you've been putting out a lot of footwork tutorials and things like that because mm -hmm. you know i think that's that's one of those other aspects where i feel i don't know maybe i'm off here but it seems to me like the importance on footwork technique is not really there as much as it used to be yeah uh, it, it almost feels like people just use it either to score points or to set themselves up for big moves but it's yeah not these days like yeah yeah it's not really rewarded in and of itself even though it can be such a beautiful and distinctive mm -hmm. part of breaking mm -hmm. um so i like that you're you're doing that because you know the, those those things they may seem small but you add them up and like you can become well, unstoppable yeah it's kind of like coming back to what i was saying before you can see people's personalities come out in how they dance and what they're interested in and like i'm definitely one of those people that thinks a lot deeper maybe sometimes to a fault i think where i just kind of like get tunnel vision on something or whatever but i like the sure. little details and it's not just breaking it's like everything if i'm playing a game or if i'm watching wrestling like Mm -hmm. you know wrestling is a great parallel is like you have people who can do all these crazy moves and stuff but the people that i like are guys like brett hart who he was a technician <laughs> right. it was about and he had cool stuff that he would do cool spots that he would do in his matches but it was always about the story that he's telling what what am i trying to convey what how am i trying to connect emotionally with the the audience Mm -hmm. And like, there's a legendary thing of him and Stone Cold having a match where they do it like a double turn where Bret Hart goes from like face to heel and Stone Cold goes from heel to face, but it's like a gradual turn and it's like really subtle and you don't mm -hmm. see it, but like listening to them break it down of like, oh, you know, this little detail here and like the way that they finish it tells a story and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, those are the cool things to me. Like, yeah, you know, someone doing like a, a whatever 540, so whatever somersault cannonball, something mm -hmm. or other, like those are cool too, but that's like short term kind of cheap thrills yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, people who can tell stories, and it's the same thing in breaking, like people yeah. who can tell a good story in their round, like I don't care if they're not Red Bull BC1 champion, that kind of thing. Like, like mm -hmm. Migas is a perfect example of, he never like won this like uh, whatever kind of international championship thing like 
I think the best example was in the Lords of the Floor, the first video mm -hmm. where they're introducing the great eight and it's like Stalin, yeah. it's winner of this, blah, 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 skill methods, winner of blah, 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 and all these people. And then it gets to Boogie Brats and they're like <laughs> underground legends, something, something like they didn't really have any like huge thing, but they were yeah. still one of those crews that was invited as like one of the best. Yeah that kind of thing i remember i'm i distinctly remember that line too because like yeah. a friend of mine when we were watching the tape he just freaked out he's like that's how you want to be you know yeah <laughs> right so, <laughs> so I, and like the beat the beat was so hard like the beat was so hard when um they introduced <clears throat> them you know because like it changed from the one more like latino sounding beat oh, to like yeah. very it was like a very uh, <clears throat> like east coast raw kind of beat mm -hmm. and then yeah and um yeah because i had heard of boogie brats but i didn't realize that that they had yeah they hadn't like won you know these things but i knew that they were out to kill you know yeah. <laughs> they were, and it, and it they goes were, yeah. it goes back to a bit of that like mystery kind of thing and mm -hmm. i think it's still possible but it's just way less common yeah. um but like you know a good example is a guy like bounce and yeah Although it's a kind of a different thing now because he's like on Instagram now and like posting <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. little bits of footage and here and there. But, okay. uh, you know, he's one of those guys that is, or at least was for a long time, like surrounded by mystery. And like, yeah, it's like a lot of people know him, but not a lot of people have actually seen him. And if you've seen mm -hmm. him, it's because you were there at the jam and you saw him mm -hmm. get down. Or like, it's like secret footage that people have, have hoarded or like you know downloaded in secret from wherever or that kind of thing and like yeah to me yeah. he's like he's in the scene he's like a reptile in mortal Kombat. <laughs> you know <laughs> like you have to get the you have to get the double perfect no fatality on like the bridge stage and then yeah. it's like you have unlocked me you know that's how i see him because i've only ever seen him once in my whole life and i yeah. saw him get down once and that one throwdown i was like oh my god this guy Mm -hmm. it would just lived up to everything that yeah. i had kind of pieced together about him but he's um, he's another guy who's like he's not when you watch his rounds like it's crazy the the way that he's pieced everything together and the amount of stuff that gets packed into one round but he's yeah. really like not doing anything that that's like overly physically demanding or that kind of thing yeah. and like even the way that like it's not even like necessarily super innovative creative whatever it's like mm -hmm. a lot of building off of basics and the way that these things are put together the way that he plays with directions and timing and levels and all of that stuff put together and like if people have ever taken a, a workshop with him it's like you know this i think this is a great example of like just the that mentality is like you talk about the six step and you have mm -hmm. six individual steps but for him he was like well what's in between step one and step two there's mm -hmm. like all these different mm -hmm. little things in between right. and those are all different little moves so like right the angle that you have it can change it that kind of thing and like you stop halfway between one and two and that's mm -hmm. another move that you have or something like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Makes so it's sense. like people who can break down that's why i think like basics are are so incredible like yeah you can go so far you. with just knowing like i don't know like six moves yeah but if you have I the right mentality yeah 
it, it's it's to that point of effectiveness, right? Mm -hmm. It's like people can do really physically difficult things, but not be effective at either looking cool or gaining <laughs> attention or yeah. captivating an audience. Yeah, right? yeah. And then people people who have like bounce very physically simple things, but it's technically very advanced. Mm -hmm. You know, those can those that has effectiveness, and it can mm -hmm. also draw the eye right i think yeah. that's like mostly what you're trying to do is draw the eye somehow or get people interested in what you're doing mm -hmm. and you know i mean yeah there are people who are very technical who still are not very effective at drawing the eye but yeah um you know that might be a lack of charisma or like some other element of it you know yeah um and and i i i look into that a lot because like i said like i don't really have many power moves and i wasn't like a, a highly super physical b-boy but I just really studied people that could uh, do a lot in a short amount of time. And like, mm -hmm. why is it that they can do that? You know, like why can cloud just like blow up a room uh, mm -hmm. with three moves, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, those were the people that I studied the most because I thought like you want to be efficient with like what you put out, but then also your stamina. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think maybe not so much now, but back then, you could end a jam in four moves, right? Um, yeah, and and you didn't need to be going these marathon rounds like today. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Although I don't know, I started watching some footage again, and I feel like maybe that's it's starting to come back. I I don't know if it's anecdotal, but I felt like what I was watching, people actually were shortening their sets and tightening it up because maybe yeah. people are getting bored of the super long. Set. Yeah. Um, which I think would be great because it makes it more interesting. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah. I think that's something too to to talk about as well and i always think about this with like well fighting games in particular but just any competitive mm -hmm. kind of game uh that or anywhere there's competition there's always sort of like a uh what do you call it like a meta that develops mm -hmm. of like this is this is the stuff that works and then yeah. you know especially with breaking or just something like dance it's so much freer because with a game it's like this is the thing that they've made and there's only so much that you can do with it because like they're not adding things you're discovering things or you're breaking the game maybe and there's a bug that mm -hmm. you can exploit or whatever mm -hmm. but it's like that you're kind of limited to what they gave you but breaking mm -hmm. as an example is like you can at any point just be like, oh, I'm inspired by this garbage can and I'm going to somehow <laughs> right. make that work, like whatever it is, right? Right, right, right. Like, oh, this fan is really cool. Like the way that it moves and like it's spinning at the same time, like I'm going to use that as inspiration. And like maybe that, mm -hmm. that becomes a cha game changer, that kind of thing. But what I'm getting at is like, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how the, the meta of like what would, what, wins competitions has changed mm -hmm. over the years and how it continues to change and like mm -hmm. you know people can have that mentality of well okay well you just got to do more moves than the other person you got to go longer and like no that's not the way it works like eventually it gets there's a certain point where it's like all right this is mm -hmm. too much we've explored that thing yeah. and now we got to go back and like yeah one of the best examples that i can think of is like in the 90s you had this like uh what do you call it like re revival or i guess of of breaking after it died in the 80s and like people mm -hmm. got back into it or there were people who were 
carrying it on or whatever but it was like mm-hmm. another boom in the 90s mm-hmm. and it was like super mm-hmm. all about create creativity and doing crazy things and things like that and, and especially on like say the west coast it was like all this crazy power going on and whatever and then in like the early 2000s that kind of like creativity and doing different things you had like super weird like abstract people yeah and like circus runaways, circus runaways and things like that and like it reached a point where it was like not that that's necessarily a bad thing but it was like all right this is kind of like not it's becoming not breaking yeah. sort of or it's mm-hmm. like starting to go in that direction where it's like all right where where do we start calling this something else and, it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is breaking mm-hmm. and this is it's its own thing now right right, right. and like that then you saw the kind of like opposite reaction to that with the kind of like resurgence of like Zulu Kings and Rocksteady in this more like traditional style and like emphasis on the basics and foundation. But then that was like too much. And people were like, you can't win a jam with like six step into a chair freeze and that kind of thing. Oh man, that was, that was honestly my favorite time to battle because it was hilarious like the yeah. things that people thought were actually hurting me you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> like i would just i'd be like really that's all you're gonna throw okay like you know and then you do exactly what they did and then throw and it was just it was so easy to win back then because mm-hmm. they thought they they kind of didn't get the point of what zulu <clears throat> kings were doing right like yeah so they were trying to be this like Kirkland brand version of Zulu King. And then, <laughs> and then they would, you know, try to do these things, but they didn't, they missed the point of the yeah. spirit of like all the other stuff that you had to know to make that work. Mm-hmm. So they would just do the moves. And then you're like sitting there watching them in a chair freeze for 10 seconds. And then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, well, all right. <laughs> that, yeah. If you really want to throw that round away, go for it. Yeah. And then you, you, know, you go out and burn them. Right. Like it was, um, it was it was a funny time definitely but then yeah like i, I did yeah. worry about that was becoming the trend you know it was like the new air chair was to match your pumas and your t-shirt and, <laughs> and have your like foam hat and like yeah this whatever yeah yeah um so. but yeah like i always thought that was kind of interesting and that you see the the trends evolve and like you know oh this is the routine era and like Mm-hmm, routines mm-hmm. reign supreme and then that's kind of like past it's moved on like not to say that routines don't exist but like there's sort of this emphasis again like maybe it's because of red bull bc1 and a lot of these like big one-on-one kind of competitions mm-hmm. that's like the focus is back on like solo stuff and mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing um but it you know it's just like you see it everywhere that yeah. people, I think it's like human nature. We, we explore yeah. one way and we find that limit and like, all right, this is maybe too far. Okay. We got to like re rediscover where is that center, that ideal kind of like way to go, but that's always mm-hmm. changing. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. you need people exploring all those different areas and like doing things that are unorthodox and doing things that are like pushing things physically and, right whatever like they all have their place yeah yeah, exactly exactly Mm -hmm. and like you yeah like you see it everywhere with you know you could talk about like the political climate and you know left and right (laughs) and all this stuff and like yeah yeah, i'm glad those people exist like i hope they don't Mm -hmm. hurt anybody but i'm glad that people are exploring those like ideas and 
and whatever and like and maybe there's a good segue into your <laughs> journalism yeah, sure. career oh look at that segue yeah, I yeah. <laughs> um yeah so how did you how did you get into uh journalism and what what was it that kind of like got you interested in that interested in it um well initially i <clears throat> thought after college or around the end of college i was kind of thinking that I wanted to go one of two ways and it was either going to be um I was really interested in like intelligence work like kind of like joining the CIA or CSIS or, or the FBI oh, or, you know something like that like law enforcement but not necessarily being a local police like I you know I was really interested in national security and things or it was to go with journalism because I thought it would be nice to you know in this in the way that like a CSIS agent is working for the Canadian government and reporting to the Canadian government. In my mind at the time, a journalist is reporting to the Canadian public, right? So hmm. you're you're informing everyone of not only like what's dangerous or what could be potentially bad, but just what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And the only reason that any of us know anything 10 meters outside of our house is because of newspapers and TV and stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I thought, you know, it sounded like a, a good profession and you know maybe I wouldn't have to give up on things like breaking or other things because in my mind I thought well if I become some kind of agent then I'm probably not going to have friends anymore <laughs> and <laughs> like you know and, and my parents would be super scared so I was like you know what? okay I think I'll, I'll go uh, the journalism way mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because uh, so my uh, my first job in journalism was actually in Germany because uh like i had done journalism school and I, I went to U of T before that and i did political science and uh, french and german as my minors and so oh, wow. that was that was the way i got into working in germany because i had done an internship at cbc but then at that time they really wanted to hire me but they had just laid off like 2000 people because of the recession yeah so they were like we'd love to keep you but we just have no space and then I found out about Deutsche Welle, which is kind of like the CBC, BBC equivalent in Germany. So they're publicly funded mm -hmm. and they have um, uh, services in different languages, kind of like BBC radio. Mm -hmm. So I somehow got in touch with their English team and they were saying, oh, we do actually have a need for English speaking journalists who know some German who could come and, and work here. Okay. And so after a bunch of tests, I, I ended up going there. But then it was really funny because as a precaution I did apply to CSIS and then mm -hmm. when I got to Germany CSIS emailed back and they were like are you interested to continue this process but then by that time I was already pretty into journalism so I was like right. thank you but you know you know so I always wonder that's kind of one of the fork in the road moments in yeah, my life yeah, yeah. like I always wonder what would have happened if I went the other way mm -hmm. um so yeah I stayed out in Germany for almost a year uh and I, I break there a lot um mm -hmm. as well so that was it was cool to be able to you know work on my career but then also keep dancing and um yeah and then i was doing a lot of like international news usually for radio or online out there um so at that time it was you know for me german was learning it was just in high school i was interested and i didn't really think it would be that useful in my career or anything like that but then around 2010 was you know you had like the greek euro crisis you had like basically Germany was kind of in the driver's seat for the European Union and still is. Mm -hmm. So it actually became a very consequential country. So then learning German and understanding the culture really did come in handy. 
Um, so in hindsight, it was cool to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I was out there, I was doing mostly like EU focused news, but a lot of international stuff and doing like radio documentaries and reports and going in the field and all that. And then, um, but I, I wasn't sure how long I was gonna stay out there like visa situation wise. So I was applying to jobs back in Canada and then CTV contacted me and were like, would you like to come be a TV reporter in Kitchener? So it was cool. a very big jump <laughs> going from, you know, living in Europe and doing all that to going to small town Ontario. But I was just <laughs> like, you know what? I don't know when the next ticket home is. So let's just do this and let's give it a shot. Right. And then I was in Kitchener. So I was doing, you know, your local TV news, like fires, uh, fires, car crashes, uh, like everything, you know, like mm -hmm. you're, your cat fashion shows, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like just anything you can imagine on local news, I had to do that. And, you know, it was an interesting experience. Um, not the best workplace, but, uh, you know, it was just kind of like everyone was young, everyone was hungry. And um, it was just kind of, you know, created this like weird situation. And I, I think too, with TV, I just kind of felt like they were really pushing me to be someone that I wasn't in the mm -hmm. sense of you, you kind of have to become this caricature of yourself to be on air. So right. you'll notice when you watch TV news, you know, people don't talk like that in real life, but they have to put on that sort of presentation. Yeah. And, you know, I learned how to do it enough to keep being on TV, but I always felt kind of weird about it. Yeah. And so after about three years of that, I moved to CBC because they were opening uh, a new bureau in Kitchener, Waterloo. And they were trying to basically open up a new presence there with like the least amount of people possible. So it was only eight of us oh, wow. going into, you know, like a coverage area of almost 500,000 people. And so they hired me and some other people from other like competitor stations. And then it was just basically eight of us starting a radio station in, in the area, which was a really cool experience cool. You know, looking back. So I did that for another three years. And what, then was there, just got, uh, was there uh, yeah, like any differences between I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, but just like TV and radio. Yeah, I think radio is a lot more intimate. And I think mm -hmm. this is why podcasts have really exploded because in this yeah. format, you can really be yourself and you, you're not yeah. worried about as much. Mm -hmm. Whereas TV, you really have to put on this persona and be like upright and aware. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, so yeah, I think people just open up more. I think that's why like, you know, Joe Rogan or things like that are so popular because you're really seeing how that person actually is. And because yeah. the format is longer, you can ask lots of questions versus just getting 10 seconds of somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So radio was cool for that. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, but I just got to the point where I came to a crossroads of, you know, well, I've been doing this six years in Canada, but I feel like I, I want to get to the next level in my career, but there's nothing really opening up because I think in the Canadian system, Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of space at the top, you know, so mm -hmm. a lot of the same reporters kind of get shuffled around up here. So mm -hmm. then all the people like me kind of here don't really get to go up here, you know, and, and like grow until you've been, you know, 10 years in or something like right, that. Right. So it just came to the point where I was like, well, I got to do something different. And my wife had a, a transfer offer for her tech company um, to move to San Francisco. And since I have dual citizenship, because my parents uh, used to live in the States. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I just was like, well, it's either quit my, you know, keep going at CBC and keep my fingers crossed that one day I'm going to get to Toronto or something or uh, take a chance and just go to the States. 
And so I took the chance and went to the States. And then three months later, Forbes was like, hey, you want to work for us? Oh, wow. <laughs> so which is kind of crazy if you think of it in perspective. It's like six years in Canada, knowing everybody and kind of trying to work in that game. And then coming here, knowing nobody. And three months later, I get to work here. So it's, um, it really paid off. Yeah. How, how has that uh, experience been working with, at Forbes? I think the best way I can describe it, it's so I have on my desk at work uh, a little figure of Morty from Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, that's kind of how it feels. It's like every day is when you get assigned to something, it's like going through that green portal <laughs> okay, and just okay. seeing like the craziest shit in your life. <laughs> because yeah. it's kind of like that because you meet the, like very influential, wealthy, powerful people because of the publication. And mm -hmm. it's really, it's, it's a trip because you know, next it'll be like, Hey, we need you to go interview, I don't know, DJ Khaled in a week. And then right, it's like, right. okay, I guess I'm going to, you know, and like, that's how it is. Right. And it's very, um, dependent on like the magazine schedule. So I've just had times where I've gotten to meet people that I never thought I'd be able to and, yeah. um, and see how they live and what mm -hmm. their life is like and how they do things. And, you know, you get this back, like backstage access that a lot of people don't get. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. that's, that's how I describe working at yeah. Forbes. It's for, a lot of fun. Yeah. For people who are just listening, like we were talking about this before, but Matt's got a, a bunch of fridge magnets on the, in the back <laughs> and it's all places that you've been through just traveling and through work and stuff. Yeah. Like traveling, work, some vacations, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just because, you know, I'm based in San Francisco now, but our team flies all over the U S and sometimes yeah. abroad. Right. Um, so I've gotten to go see a lot of the country uh, in the last, you know, five years now. Um, so I just started making a habit of buying a, a magnet every time, you know, like a cheap magnet every time I go uh, come back, yeah. you know. And yeah. uh, the, my favorite one is actually that one. I don't know if you can see right here. Uh, it's Texas from one? Texas. <laughs> yeah. And, and it says we don't call 911. And I just thought that was like the most Texas thing I've ever read. So I just bought it. <laughs> um what's what's the what's the coolest or is i don't know the place with the most memories that you've been to through work um i would say probably la just because of how frequent we have to go there and the mm -hmm. like the caliber of people we have to interview there mm -hmm. it's i mean when i first went to la i thought it was super cool now that i've been there a bunch of times it's you know i I, I lament about the same things that all the LA people do. Like, I hate the traffic. People are super fake, whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all that. But that said, the, the people you get to meet in LA through work, is quite amazing. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Been, um, so yeah, I would say that like Ky the, the shoot we did for Kylie Jenner, that was kind of surreal. Like it felt like a very out of body experience, you know, getting to go to that house. Not that I watched the show, particularly but getting to meet them getting to mm -hmm. you know talk to them uh see the house that the show is filmed in and all that mm -hmm. um it's it's it was just kind of like whoa is this really happening you know or or uh, another one was floyd mayweather i got to meet him in las vegas and uh -huh. um again it's very like out of body experience but you you just kind of focus on what you have to do you know yeah. but there's this small part of you like wow i'm not really in this place and that's kind of why yeah describe it like the morty thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're 
your role in these interviews? Are you doing conducting the interview? Or are you doing the filming or or it's, all it, of it? It depends. Yeah, all of it. It it really mm. depends because we're all kind of um, trained on every different aspect. Mm. Uh, so I I can do both like the asking people and I can do the filming and recording and all that. So it really just depends on what's needed that day. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes you kind of take a step back and you're just doing the technical. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're the one asking all the questions, someone else is doing technical. Right, right. Uh, so it really depends. You mm -hmm. know, the, the one, one of the ones I did recently with, uh, it was with Panda Express and that one, I, all I had to do was ask questions and talk to them and get to know them because um, we had a whole crew to handle everything else but right. because I'm so used to using cameras and stuff I can't help but like hey do you need me to carry that or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's just, it just feels weird to me to just come up you know show up in a suit and ask questions like I, mm -hmm. I feel like I need to be like handling something so, right right yeah yeah what a what an interesting journey you've led up until yeah. now <laughs> and hopefully into the future yeah yeah it's uh it, it's funny how breaking really, I would say, helped a lot with yeah. that career because, again, uh, there's a lot of similarities. And I think the biggest thing is noticing what everyone else is doing and then thinking, how can I do it differently? I think that's the biggest takeaway mm -hmm. that breaking has really given me for mm -hmm. journalism. Right. Um, because you start to notice trends and patterns and then things, how things become kind of cliche or outdated. And then mm -hmm. you think, okay, how do I come about this with a fresh new idea or a different angle of how to execute this project or whatever? Right. And then um, I think breaking really has helped for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot. It's kind of like we talk a lot about breaking here because we both break and mm -hmm. that's sort of like our background. But you could apply that to almost like anything that you start yeah. with. If there's so much stuff. I always think this, that whatever you do, there's always something that you can learn. And there's, there's, what do you call them? Like transferable skills between a yeah. lot of things. And like, Absolutely. I was just talking with Amstro the other day and he was talking mm -hmm. about like him and switch, switch, switch talks about transferable skills. <laughs> so, <laughs> he comes up with the best sayings. Like yeah, that guy makes me laugh all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's really true. Like, you know, yeah whether it's dance, whether it's art, whether it's, uh, I don't know, whatever you do, like videography, programming, playing games, watching TV, any, like, mm -hmm. you know, there's things that if you're, cause like, what is it? Our, we're kind of like as humans trained to, or it's in us to like see connections and make connections, mm -hmm. which is why like conspiracy theories are a thing. In our, <laughs> so in popular. Our, are so yeah. popular, right? <laughs> we, we see things that don't exist, but like, uh a lot of times like you can you can watch a tv show and they'd be like wow that was really or you watch a movie and you'd be like wow that really captivated me and like the way that it was told the way the story was told and then you start thinking about like maybe you're dancing and like well maybe how how do i piece together these things that it, it, it's like a logical flow that makes sense that builds up excitement that leads mm -hmm. to a high point and then you have mm -hmm. the low point mm -hmm. the contrast and this kind of thing and like if you can start thinking about those different connections, like, you know, everything helps everything in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think there's a, one of my favorite books is the book of five rings by Musashi. And I think he, one of the things he says is something to the effect of like, once you know the sword, you see all things 
Hmm. Like in, in kind of the idea, like once you learn how to sword fight, you'll just see it in everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think breaking is the same. It's like, it's one of the hardest human activities ever. Mm-hmm. And so if you can learn this, then you can apply it to anything else and probably be pretty good at it. Yeah. You know, um, if, if you stay humble and, and put in the work, right? Yeah. Like it yeah. gives you, it gives you a blueprint for all kinds of things, like mm-hmm. how to think creatively, problem solving, which is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, they're the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and even just like training and dedication, but also just like learning difficult things and challenging yeah. things and learning to deal with competition and learning to deal with like setting goals. And if you're really serious about it, like, yeah, you know, obviously there's people who just kind of like coast through it and they don't learn anything <laughs> or at least they don't learn anything immediately. Yeah. Um, and I, I would add to that too. Um, how to deal with stress and pressure in yeah, yeah. In, in a certain situation. Cause I've had many times where <clears throat> like equipment fails or the talent is two hours late or, you know, yeah. and all kinds of stuff happens that you don't foresee. And then you have to kind of brainstorm. Well, first keep calm and not freak out. And then mm-hmm. second, how to figure out a solution to it. And I think yeah. uh, being in those high pressure competition uh, scenarios or cipher battles too, uh, that really helps you, you yeah. Know, because there's like that's one of the most nerve-wracking things you can put yourself through. Um, so if you can do that, then handling yeah. like that stuff is not as bad. I th- I think that's a really good point too. That breaking especially has that sort of spontaneous side to it of like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, people have sets and stuff, but to me like the real kind of like essence of breaking is that off like just freestyle kind of like the music comes on and it's not even necessarily reacting it's like you just kind of you get into that sort of flow state of just Mm -hmm. i don't exist i'm just you know something else is taking over that kind of thing yeah but uh you know learning to kind of like figure that out especially if you don't sort of come from that sort of background like i i wasn't like that before i was very like i gotta do this then this then this Mm -hmm. and then later on i kind of started to explore more with that of like just learning to let go and let go of control and just kind of like adapt to what's happening Mm -hmm. and you know that kind of thing helped me so much with like moving to japan and like teaching english and you have like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone has experience with that or heard other people, but like the system in Japan is very like uh, disorganized. Regimented. Oh, I was going to say, is it regimented? It is regimented <laughs> as well. And like why that's why a lot of times language is a problem to teach English language mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it relies on later on, especially in junior high, it relies on people thinking creatively and like right thinking outside the box or finding a solution to like i don't know this word well how can i talk mm-hmm. about the word how do i but people get very focused on it but even mm-hmm. in like it started recently in the last few years depending where you are they started teaching it in elementary schools and it was just sort of thrown on the elementary school teachers who had never had to teach english before mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they have to teach it yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of them were just panicking and they would just be like to the 
to the uh, foreigner, foreign teachers, foreign, mm -hmm. like we're assistants, like most mm -hmm. of the time, but we ended up having to just take on the role of like an elementary school English teacher. And they're just like, a lot of times you get there and they're like, okay, here's just do the class. And you're like, yeah. wait, what? Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be helping you. What's okay, I guess. Yeah. And you just have to step up. Right. right. And, you know. And having... do, you speak, do you speak Japanese at all? Uh, now I do. Yeah. But, but in the beginning. In the beginning, I had been... like, you know, very basic kind of stuff. And you learn, I knew like, sort of like first year Japanese. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's useful, but it's like, no one talks like that. Right, right. And you have to actually learn how people use the language. Um, yeah, like, like people, I found use, that in, people use that, yeah. that language, but it's in a very, when you're being very polite and that kind of thing. But most of the time, people speak a lot more casually. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to worry so much about that in general. Right. But uh, yeah, it was like, all right, I got to. And that was, that was another thing, too, was like you had I had to adapt. Right. Yeah. But I think from that breaking mentality, it allowed me to just kind of not see it as like it just was a new challenge. OK, I, this is my new situation. OK, how do I mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how do I make it better instead of some mm -hmm. people can get super fixated and um, they just don't want to adapt to it. And then it's right. the same thing in like a round in breaking. If you mess up, some people fixate on that mistake. And they can't move mm -hmm. past it and it ruins the rest mm -hmm. of their round and maybe the rest of their battle but if you can yeah, just I, you know brush it off and that kind of thing yeah or hiding hiding your mistakes is actually yeah. one of the, the best skills to have if you yeah. can figure it out or using you know, it so as many... a way to create something new or whatever crash to create yeah. things like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i super hiding. envy those those people yeah mm -hmm. like uh you know, like someone like say abstract who can just float into something else. And, yeah. You know, or I'll ask him like, did you mean to do that? Like, yeah, I just kind of did it. <laughs> like, mm. it's just, you know, it's so crazy that, but I, it's having that ability to rebound and redirect, I think mm -hmm. is super important. And yeah, yeah, breaking does help with that. But yeah. I think that comes back to like strong understanding of fundamentals and just like knowing yourself and your body and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And I think that's like a really important thing with, again, like whatever you do, if you know yourself mm -hmm. and you know, even just the basics of whatever you're doing, but you know them well, you can go super far. Totally. But there's a lot of stuff you could do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that might be a good spot to finish for now. <laughs> yeah, for now. Um, sure. It was, it was great to chat and like get to know you better and reminisce about all this stuff and yeah. i love that interconnectedness of you know how breaking relates to everything else and yeah uh, yeah i think that's super useful and i'm glad we talked too about you know as a community what should we do to improve our situation especially with yeah. the olympics coming up yeah. Uh, yeah that's a huge opportunity you know whether you yeah. like the olympics or not and we may as well <clears throat> make the best of it yeah well that's that's one of the reasons why i wanted why i kind of well why this podcast exists or why it still exists mm -hmm. is to just have more voices that are out there and, you know, hopefully people listen to it, but <laughs> it's not always <laughs> the case, but yeah, it's like, okay, man. I think it's, it's important fun. just to, to do it, even if it's just for me and you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And, uh, no, it's, it's, if it's fun and, you know, somebody out there gets something out of it, I think mm -hmm. that's totally worth it. And yeah. hopefully, you know, I think this is how knowledge gets passed and exactly. people think about things differently. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, so. uh, yeah, we're, we're not here for the, I mean, having a lot of views and likes would be nice, but like, yeah. uh, I, I think it's more important that we have these talks and yeah. figure these things out collectively. But I, yeah, it's like more about, I think these things are important for people to yeah. know about and yeah. the things that you're saying, you, you probably think the same way. And mm -hmm. there's probably some stuff that we agree on that we, we want people to know about. Totally. And like, so I think it's really great that with the advent of like YouTube and, and podcasts and things like that, and just free information, you know, there's, we mm -hmm. talk a lot of in the breaking community, it's like YouTube is a great evil of <laughs> it's killing breaking or whatever, but <laughs> it's all in like how you use it, you know? Yeah. I think just getting people to think deeper, think outside of just the dance and just the moves yeah. and that kind of thing hopefully this can be one thing that helps change that mentality or or shift it into more than just moves that kind mm -hmm. of thing i yeah. hope so too man yeah, yeah that's it's definitely needed and yeah no youtube is not to me it's like water right like water mm -hmm. is necessary but it can also kill you right yeah yeah <laughs> so like anything. it's just yeah, like anything so it's it's just in how you use it and what are your goals and yeah i hope that people use it to look at you know the deeper elements like what you're saying and the history of it too like know what's been done so that you can improve on that yeah um, and sure. learn from it yeah for sure yeah well thank you matt for yeah thank you man sharing all your thoughts and really interesting perspectives on on things and i'm i'm always happy when there's someone who can go a little bit deeper and that kind of thing <laughs> i'm glad yeah. yeah i'm glad uh you had a good time and i did yeah. too <laughs> yeah um yeah so thank you to you and hopefully we can do this again and just jump right into some other stuff next time and just without the history and that kind of stuff yep and just jump Anytime, in whatever's man. interesting yeah definitely do it again uh, thanks, everybody, for watching and listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the talk. If you like what you heard, please feel free to check out some of the older episodes and help spread the word about the podcast. If you really want to go that extra mile, please consider supporting on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash razzyf2 r-a-z-z-y-f-2 even as little as a dollar goes a long way and it means a lot to have your support thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one peace